Welcome back to another episode of Disturbing Tales, ripped straight from the Reddit platform. Not only will we be uncovering three new terrifying first-hand accounts, but I have a bit of a surprise in today's upload. Please be sure to stick with me between stories to learn what it is. I'm sure that some of you will truly enjoy what we have in store. But now, without any further delay, grab your snacks, sit back, and let's dive right in. Last year, I, an 18-year-old female, was living in a very rural town in the middle of the mountains. Most small western towns only have one road that goes into the big city. Our road in particular was about 50 miles of empty highway, surrounded only by cliffs, fields, and occasionally a farm. At the very entrance to this road, once you enter the city, is a huge truck stop slash gas station that always seems to be packed. My mom and I were going back home after a midnight showing of whatever movie we had decided to see, and as per usual, we stopped to fill up on gas and get a drink for the long drive home. As we were leaving, I vaguely noticed a dingy, older jeep pull out at the same time we did, but of course, I didn't take much notice. It wasn't weird that someone would be leaving the same time as us after all. As we started down the pitch black road, the jeep kept a steady pace behind us. Again, not weird in and of itself, until it came flying up past us before disappearing beyond a hill. Mom and I just scoffed. We were already going 65, but when people knew the roads, they often drove them at close to 100, even at night. After some time, we happened upon the jeep from earlier. It was pulled over, but the back half of the vehicle was in the road, and what was clearly a man's arm was waving out the window, gesturing for us to pull over. But we're not stopping. As we pass this guy, we have that feeling of, it sucks to be him, hopefully someone else comes upon him soon, or maybe he'll call AAA and get things sorted out. But once again, we weren't going to be the ones to help. To our surprise, and no more than a minute later, the man flies past us once more in his jeep, pulling over again several hundred yards ahead of us. It's about at this moment that both my mom and I begin to get very nervous. We pass him again, but this time, he flies right up behind us, tailgating us. He's driving so close that we can't see his headlights in the rearview mirror, and he's honking his horn incessantly, waving his arm for us to pull over. He carries on with this behavior for more than 30 minutes. Mom and I are both rattled and terrified. She's absolutely white-knuckling the wheel, I'm holding a pocket knife to make myself feel better. I swore at my own mom for the first time that night, begging her, don't you f***ing dare pull over. If you've ever seen the movie Rest Stop, that's all that was going through my mind. The road is a dead zone for service, so we couldn't call the police, or anyone really. The picture of us dead or worse on the side of the empty road was the only thing that I could think about. But sort of the same way this whole incident started in an instant, that's the same way it ended. The man slammed on his brakes, turned around, and disappeared into the black night, heading in the opposite direction from which he was following us to begin with. The ride home was eerily silent from that point on. I even ended up sleeping in my mom's room, out of fear. The next morning, 
We had a discussion and came to the conclusion that he had seen two lone women traveling at night and thought that we'd be easy pickings. For what? I don't know, but I think he would have been right. Some people suggest that he had seen us drop money or a receipt at the gas station and was trying to be a good Samaritan. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Nobody following two women home in such an aggressive manner has any sort of good intentions. We moved out of our small town a few months later for unrelated reasons, but just before we did, the same car was reported following a group of four men on their way to work. So maybe he just likes to scare people. But either way, that night was easily one of the scariest of my entire life, and I hope to never relive it again. This is something I've never really told anyone about, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. So here it is. A few years back, had to be 2015, maybe 2016, when I was about 18 years old. I used to work at this little cafe inside of a car parts factory. It pretty much occupied the smallest corner of the factory, but it served as a compact restaurant, a kitchen, and lunchroom for the workers to eat. Well, this one day, I get a call from my best friend slash co-worker. She's all kinds of upset because of this creepy new temp worker that made her feel severely uncomfortable by asking her all sorts of personal questions. What she drove, where she lived, if she was single, had any kids, and when she got off work, just to name a few. She didn't want to walk out to her car alone. Mind you, she was a woman my age, 18 or 19, and this dude was in his mid to late 30s, if not already hitting 40. We lived in Flint, Michigan, so we were already well aware of the evils that lurk in this world. I drive up to the parking lot, find her car, and park next to it while she has a security guard escort her out. We didn't see the guy at that point, but she did describe him to me and the security guard, and that was that for a few days. Someone found him, told him to stay away from her, and he did. But then he met me. I knew exactly who he was as soon as he stepped up to the register to place his lunch order, just from the description I had been given, and plus the creepy vibes that he gave off. He pulled the same intense Q&A on me that he had done to my friend, but instead of telling him to fuck off, or calling security or anything like that, I just told him a bunch of straight up lies. I told him that I drove a blue 2012 Honda Civic which I knew for a fact was one of the second shift manager's vehicles, who always parked near to the front of the building. I knew that it was going to be there much later than my shift ended. I also told him that my shift ended around 9.30, which was really the time that I usually slipped out for a cigarette break. So when 9.30 hit later that night, I walked outside to smoke my cigarettes, and I saw exactly what I was expecting to see. That creep, in the parking lot, close to the area that the Honda Civic was sitting. He was just pacing back and forth behind two vehicles that were parked a few spaces down in the same row, playing on his phone the entire time. At one point, he glanced up and saw me staring at him, but I had my big leather winter coat and hat on, so I don't know if he recognized me at first from a distance or not. I finished my smoke and went back inside, explained the entire situation to the security guards, one of which was the original guard that had escorted my friend out to her car a couple days before and they both died of laughter at the fact that I had pulled one over on the prick and had actually caught him in the act of being shady. 
I'm not sure what exactly they did about it because I went back to work after that, but I do know that they immediately went out and confronted him in the parking lot, and that that temp worker was fired that same week. Never saw that guy again, and I'm glad to not have. In fact, after termination, the company let all staff members know this man's full name. At that point, my friend paid to run a background check on him. It came back with a violent criminal history, filled with domestic abuse, assault and battery with a weapon, jail time for violating a PPO, and parole for some other things. To this day, I still don't know what his intentions were, but it doesn't take a genius to figure out that it couldn't have been anything good. So ultimately, the moral of the story is to always have your friends' backs and trust your instincts, because if you don't, you could end up cornered in a parking lot and attacked or abducted by some creepy guy that asked one too many questions. I'm truly excited to present you with the sponsor of today's video. If you're looking for ways to transport yourself even further while enjoying the content here, perhaps you're looking to dive into a world of darkness and horror, then it's my pleasure to introduce you to the ultimate coloring book for those who dare to go beyond the realm of ordinary. Far from your average coloring book, each page of it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This dark fantasy illustrative book is a gateway to a sinister and chilling universe filled with terrifying creatures and downright haunting monsters. As you color in these pages, you'll find yourself in a world of nightmares and terror, but that's not all. Found on each page is a set of creepy quotes set to send shivers down your spine and leave you wondering what lurks in the shadows. Every illustration in this book is crafted with meticulous attention to detail that brings your darkest fears to life. And with every pencil stroke, you'll breathe life into these chilling designs, making them your own. This is not your grandmother's coloring book. It's for those that crave the thrill of the unknown and aren't afraid to embrace their inner darkness. So if you're ready to enter a world of terror and unlock your creative potential, order your copy of the dark fantasy horror coloring book from Amazon today. Find the link on screen and in the description below. I was 15 years old living in a medium-sized city in North Florida. About 60,000 people, but some areas were really spread out and rural. Don't think of it like New York City or anything. More like a lot of houses spread out over a huge area, plus condensed shopping centers. I was a bit of a punk that my parents had a hard time controlling, so that meant I basically snuck out constantly and was always riding my bike around the city at all hours of the night with my friends. This included fighting and constantly causing trouble for others. For reference, I was probably 5'10 and 150 pounds soaking wet. My next door neighbors were my best friends. Let's call them Nick and Tim. Nick was younger than us, probably about 5'5 and 140 pounds. Tim was 5'8 and easily 2'10. Nick and Tim were brothers only a year or so apart. On that night, 
Tim had texted me around 1am, asking me to ride bikes with him and his brother to his girlfriend's house so that he could get lucky. I remember being hesitant because of how long the bike ride was. I had looked it up on Google and it said it was about 10 miles from my house to her street. But Tim begged for me to go until I agreed. Our city had a curfew, meaning any police in the area that saw you and assumed you were a minor would stop you and possibly issue a ticket and then bring you home. That meant we had to be careful about being seen by cars going by. Well, the bike ride to her house went by without any issue. We took our time, joked around, smoked a little weed, and genuinely enjoyed the ride together. We ran out of what little pot we had on the way, and then finally landed at his girlfriend's house with no problem. After what felt like an hour, Tim snuck around the back to go in, and Nick and I popped a squad on an electrical box and talked. Maybe about 30 minutes go by, and Tim triumphantly snuck out of the house, bragging about his time in there and says that we should head out. Annoyed at how long it took, and nearly sober now, we all agreed. The first mile of the ride went by smoothly, but things quickly changed from there. We had just passed a decent-sized shopping center, closed at this hour, plus a church. We rode by the church slowly, in no rush at all. After we passed it, it led to a long stretch of road with woods and canals that run on each side. The road is something parkway. Two lanes on each side separated by palm trees and landscaping in the middle. Sidewalks on both sides, and on the right side, another road that connects to the parkway. We were all riding on the right-hand sidewalk, just for reference. Off in the distance, we see a very tall older man wearing a yellow raincoat and a large backpack. He was walking back and forth on the sidewalk under a streetlight on the corner of the parkway and the side street. We all went silent as we got closer. I don't think he could have seen or heard us as there were no lights over us and there were sprinklers going off within the median. I remember hearing him dragging his feet across the ground while also mumbling. He was dragging his feet almost like he was trying to brush away the concrete to find something beneath it. The mumbling was incoherent and frantic. Honestly, it made my heart sink and my stomach knot up hearing it. I couldn't understand anything he was saying, and the only way to get home was to go by this man. Nick said, yo, let's cross the street and take the other sidewalk. Tim and I both agreed. I remember this so distinctly. We crossed the landscaped median and a jet of sprinkler water hit me directly in the face, got into my mouth and eyes, tasted like sulfur, it was really disgusting. Once on the other side, we could hear the mumbling and scraping of his feet even clearer. I could now see more details about him. He was smoking a cigarette and was probably 6'5", had on a huge green backpack, was extremely skinny, had long gray hair, and was wearing combat boots plus blue ripped jeans. He also had a full white beard. He didn't seem to notice us until we were directly across the street from him. We all had our eyes locked in his direction when he suddenly stopped walking, talking, and scraping his feet. He looked up from the ground and let out this god-awful screech. None of us knew what he was trying to say. After the initial scream, I could make out, What the f*** are you doing? It startled us. We were now 25 yards away from him, and then he screams again. What the f*** are you looking at? I was a foolish teenager. I piped up to say something smart and Tim riding next to me grabbed onto me and said, Don't say a f***ing 
word to him. So I didn't. And in hindsight, I'm so glad that I didn't. He kept screaming in our direction as we kept riding along. The further we rode, though, the fainter the screaming got. And then it stopped altogether. We crossed the street again to the other side and made it about a mile down the road, all of us still on edge. We glanced over our shoulders constantly to make sure he wasn't following us. We spoke briefly about it, how strange it was, things like that, but we were glad that it was over with, or so we thought. Nick and Tim were riding in front of me when I thought I heard something behind me. I turned around, and there he was, maybe just a stride's length away, heading directly for me. The yellow raincoat hood was pulled up over his head and buttoned as he was on a bike of his own. This guy was practically standing up on his bike, pedaling as hard as he could. We locked eyes, and he began screaming right at me. I mean screaming. He screamed not words, not any language. A f***ing constant scream as loud as he could. I have the chills writing this even now, as a 30-year-old grown-ass man with a wife and baby. If someone ever illustrated that image, and I happened to see it, I probably would have a panic attack. I screamed, he's right behind us, stood up and began pedaling as hard as I could. I think we all did. And he was right behind us the entire time, screaming his lungs off. Every so often, he would get right on top of us, still screaming, and try to knock us off our bikes. I don't know exactly how long we rode with him behind us, but it felt like an eternity. I think age finally played a factor, because he must have gotten tired and let us get ahead of him a bit. Exhausted, we pull into a neighborhood and started cutting through yards trying to lose him. We jumped off our bikes and all just decided that if he was still chasing us, we were going to make our stand together and fight this guy. It was like a hive mind decision, all too tired to keep running. We saw it as our only option. We waited for him, but he never came. I don't even remember hearing him. I still can't recall where we lost him. I called my house phone, waking both my parents up in the process, told my dad about the entire situation. He told me to get home and figure it out. I asked to talk to my mom. She yelled at me on the phone and refused to pick us up too, as I stood in the middle of the street hoping this crackhead didn't come and kill us all. I got home with Nick and Tim in tow, who asked if they could crash in my room. Of course I said yes. I think we all still have some weird feelings about that night, although we've never really spoken of it again. I don't know what that guy wanted. He was clearly on drugs or messed up in the head, but it makes me wonder if he would have robbed us, beaten us, or worse, if he had ever caught up. For those of you that made it this far, I really want to thank you for taking the time to watch this entire video. Drop a like, hit that subscribe button, and be sure to turn on all notifications for everything that we have upcoming. Thanks again.